Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we sing blessing and honor, glory and power forever to you, our God. We thank you for all the gifts that you have bestowed on us and the promise that we will be able to worship in your throne room in eternity. And we can begin eternity now as we come into that throne room today to worship together as your people. So bless us as we listen to your word and speak to us through your spirit that we may know that we have met with a living God today and because of that we will go away today forever changed, never to be the same again. And we will thank you and we will praise you through Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. My name is Kurt. Welcome to Faith Covenant Church. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is exciting to be together today. We are in our final sermon in our series called Reassembly Required, uh, which we have kind of billed as a beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. And uh, we've been recognizing that more often than not, isn't it true that we're better at starting and even maintaining relationships than we are at fixing them when they start to fall apart? Uh, when there's a conflict or a, a crack or a strain in a relationship that we're in with somebody, we, we typically reach for relationship management tools uh, to try and fix things, but more often than not, those things really don't work. Because our typical starting point uh, is that we assume that if they would just see things your way, then everything would be okay. When, we, uh, when the relationship isn't going well or it starts to feel strained and we have, have cracks in our communication, uh, we're not sure what to do. And so what we try and do is we try and begin to manage the other person. And when we try to manage other people, we simply manage to make things worse. We talked about the C4 approach to relationship management, right? Uh, convince, convict, coerce, and control the four C's of relationship management. And uh, we talked about how there's really no you know, coincidence, uh, or it's not a coincidence. No, there's no connection to it being a commonly known plastic explosive, right? <laughs> But isn't it true that this C4 method of relationship management typically is our go-to place, the tools that we go to first when we try and take responsibility for controlling a relationship that is going south? But as we've talked about in the last few weeks, that these solutions never work. They only serve to make things worse. And what we've talked about how is in reality, learning to repair broken relationships doesn't come naturally. It's not intuitive. It wasn't modeled for many of us in our own uh, families of origin or in the relationships that we've experienced. And we may not have had an opportunity to learn the, the healthy skills of how to repair broken relationships. And what we've talked about how is repairing broken relationships is really a skill that we need to learn and to develop. And in that process, we've been following the words of Romans chapter 12. And in verse 18, if you remember, if you've been with us, the Apostle Paul says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we talked about how the goal in this isn't reconciliation, which is kind of counterintuitive because we would think that that would be the goal. But the goal can't be reconciliation because you cannot control all the pieces in this situation. You can't control or manage what the other person is going to choose to do. And so the goal is really on your side and on my side to live with no regrets. 
knowing that you've done everything that is within your power, and as far as it depends on you to pursue the reassembly process in the relationships that you have where brokenness has occurred. And in that process, we've identified that there are four decisions that we can make. There, there are four skills that we can develop that can help us to take responsibility for the things on our side to reassemble relationships when they start to fall apart. The first one is that I will get back to rather than get back at. Right? We all have a tendency when things start to go wrong that we want to get back at someone who we feel has hurt us or who has done something wrong or who has messed up in the relationship. But in reality, when we try and get back at, we're only throwing more fuel on the fire, right? And so the second uh, decision or skill that we can develop is that I will own my slice of the blame pie. Right? We all have something that we can take responsibility for, even if it's not in the original uh, fault, but it's how you've responded to the situation that has contributed to the brokenness and the lack of communication. There's all, almost always something that we can each find that we can take responsibility for in the reassembly and reconciliation process. Last week, Pastor Keith Carpenter, who is the retired pastor from Kent Covenant Church, uh, brought the next message, and I'm, I'm so grateful for Keith being willing to preach. I had a chance to have a week of study away uh, down in San Diego. I stayed with my parents, and it was just a beautiful time to be with them and to get some reading and writing done, and so it was just a huge gift from you all for me to be able to be away for a week and to have Keith preach. And if you were with us last week with Keith preached, he talked about how the third reassembly decision and skill that we need to develop is that I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first. And Pastor Keith helped us to understand that if you want to begin to heal a breach in a relationship, you have to be willing to at least take the first step. You have to be willing to reach out and at least initiate the reassembly process, not to get back at, but to get back to, and to take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. And all these come to the other person, to our partner, to our friend, as a sign of good faith and a desire to reconnect and rebuild the relationship. But he told us this isn't easy. If you remember, he said it requires humility and love and godliness, because all of these things are a reflection of God's character in us. And if you've been with us, you remember that part of the challenge in reassembling relationships, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that Jesus commanded his disciples to learn to love one another in the same way that he loved us. In John 15, 12, Jesus said, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. God didn't have to send Jesus to die for your sins and my sins. God wanted to reach out. He wanted to make the first move. He wanted to reach out to bridge the gap because he loves you and because he loves me. And he wasn't content to have a rift in a relationship with you. He wanted to reassemble the brokenness of our relationship with him as our creator and as our God and as the one who loves us and knows us better than we even know ourselves. And in the process, he also has committed to us this same message of reconciliation to everyone in the whole world. 
to pass it on, this good news to others. If you remember 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 18, Paul said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, the service, the calling of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so Pastor Keith helped us to see that in Jesus, God has not only forgiven your sins and my sins, but he sought to heal the brokenness of our relationship with him that then calls us to be people who learn the skill of developing the ability to reassemble the brokenness in relationships with one another. And so the reassembly process is is really part of our discipleship to Jesus. It's a part of what it means to follow Jesus as his disciples and to live that out in every relationship that we have every day. And as we've been saying, this is so important not only because we know that healthy relationships are the most important factor in our own human happiness and well-being, But it's also because for those of us who follow Jesus, this is a discipleship issue in our relationship with God. And so today we're going to look at reassembly decision number four and the skill that we can develop that says, I will keep the door open and the welcome mat out. Now again, just to be clear, we're talking about pursuing a healthy reassembly process that's based on the love of God that he's revealed in Jesus. We're not talking about being forced to stay in an abusive and an unsafe, toxic relationship, either physically or emotionally. That's not what God asks us to do, and that's not the kind of reconciliation we're talking about. Again, that's why the goal is no regrets. Because we can't control what the other person is going to do. And so the focus has to start with us and on what we are willing to allow God to do in us regardless of what the other person will choose to do. And we know that God can use every situation, even some of the most painful, broken situations in our lives, to teach us about how much he loves us and how much he cares about us and how much he's willing to walk with us through those painful situations to find help and to find hope and to find people who love us and who can teach us about the God who never forces himself on anyone, but always keeps the door open and the welcome mat out. And so this is so important for your own health and growth as a human being, because this is what will keep you and I growing personally through every relational situation we find ourselves in, and it will help us to ensure that that bitterness doesn't build up in our hearts Because you see, the decision to keep the door open and the welcome mat out and the skill of having that attitude and that perspective towards other people, even when we're in conflict with them, means that you're not holding on to the pain and the regret of the hurt of the past. Because that pain and that hurt and the regret of the past can can eat you alive from the inside out. And can begin to impact all the other relationships in your life. You see, the challenge, whether we realize it or not, is that we can carry the hurts of one relationship into another relationship. 
For example, if you're married, we, we pretty much know that it's likely that your relationship with your mom or your dad is still being played out in your relationship with your husband or wife, right? I mean, I think it's pretty much unavoidable. Or if, as we've said, you've suffered some kind of relational trauma or abuse in your life where trust has been broken and abuse has occurred, we know that that impacts your ability to trust other relationships and to feel safe for many years to come. And without the healing and the wholeness that can come from God being able to to set you apart from that experience and find a new path forward, it will impact all of your relationships moving forward. See, in, in our relationships in, our, in the past, we've been hurt. We've all been hurt by some relationships. And somewhere along the way, you may have told yourself that you tried to work it out and it just didn't work. It wasn't your fault and so you're not going to try anymore. And that really, you just don't even care anymore. At some point, you took the welcome mat in and you closed the door. But as we talked about two Sundays ago, these can actually become more defensive maneuvers that we take on that are really designed to try and protect our hearts because we've been wounded and we've been hurt, sometimes by those we love the most. But you see, it's because of these past hurts and these wounds in our relationships that we can unwittingly become angry and bitter or become defensive in our relationships with other people. And we can come to believe somewhere along the way that we have to learn to protect ourselves from being hurt again. And so too often we revert to the C4 method of relationship management because really it's a defensive mechanism to try and protect ourselves from being hurt by other people. You see, if we're afraid of being hurt in a relationship, we can mistakenly come to believe that the best defense is a good offense. And we find ourselves doing the very opposite of what Jesus has called us to do. Our unspoken motto might be something like, do unto others before they do unto you. (laughs) Right? Or we could go all Old Testament on them. And do unto others because they've done to you, right? An eye for an eye. We're going to get back at no holds barred. Any of it even in a relationship like that? (laughs) But see, that's not what Jesus taught, is it? What did Jesus say? Matthew 7, verse 12. Jesus said, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The entire Old Testament message, Jesus said, is summed up in doing to others the very things that you would want them to do to you. Or you could turn that around and state it in in the opposite way as well, right? Jesus is saying, don't do to others the things that you don't want them to do to you. Again, think of the four C's, convincing, convicting, coercing, controlling. We don't want people to do those things to us. Why is it that our, that's our go-to when we try and manage other people in our relationships? In other words, if you think about the other person that you're in relationship with, can you, can you begin to think about them in a different way and almost begin to imagine them in your mind as if they were you? And how would that change your perspective if in your mind's eye you see your image reflected in their face? 
And then you begin to respond to them in the way that you would hope they would respond to you. I think, if, if, if you think about it, in many ways, this has the very same impact as, as Jesus' teaching on the greatest commandment in the Bible, right? He said if you have to, first of all, love God with everything you are, but the second is, is, is like it, love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Don't, don't do to them what you don't want them to do to you. See, many of us are familiar with Jesus' teaching here. In fact, it's come to be known in society as what? The golden rule, <laughs> right? It's like the highest moral and ethical ideal that we can aspire to, and yet it's so simple, and yet it's so hard to do. But we might not realize that the larger context in which Jesus gives this teaching in the Gospel of Matthew is really about how God is a God who always leaves the door open and the welcome mat out. Let's go back to verse 7 in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus starts by saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and what? The door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Doing to others as you would have them do to you begins with keeping the door open and the welcome mat out. See, when everything in me wants to, to shut the door, to pull the welcome mat in, to go pout in the corner and to say, no, I'm done, I've tried, I don't want to do it anymore, it's your fault, we're supposed to remember Jesus and think about the love of the Heavenly Father that not only keeps the door open, but like the prodigal father, prodigal son's father waits and watches for us to come. And before we even arrive back at home, he's running to greet us, to welcome us back. And that's the kind of attitude that he wants us to have with one another. See, I'm going to remember what my heavenly father through Jesus has done for me, that, that he doesn't count my sins against me. He doesn't list them for me to, to, to have to remember over and over again. By his grace, I'm, I'm going to do for others what, what my heavenly father has done for me. I'm going to keep the door open and I'm going to keep the welcome mat out and I'm going to work to the best of my ability as far as it depends on me at having no regrets. And we need to remember that Jesus tells us in this that we are not alone in this. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, in the same teaching there, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven, how will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, we learn to keep the door open and the welcome mat out because through the power of God's Holy Spirit at work within us, we don't need to cling to the hurt and the pain of our past relationships. 
But in grace and forgiveness, we can let go of whatever has been done to us and we can hope and we can pray for the day that if at all possible and if it anything depends on us, that the other person will also be willing to work through the reassembly process with us, relying on God's love and God's grace that he's modeled for us in Jesus. So the four reassembly decisions that we can learn to pursue in our lives are, I will get back to not get back at. I will own my slice of the blame pie. I will make the first move regardless of who moved away first, and I will keep the door open and the welcome mat out. Now, I have a few minutes left, and I I want to wrap up this series with one final invitation. If you're not a Christian and you're here today or you're watching online or maybe you're going to see this sermon and hear it some other time in the future online because it's recorded and it's out there for you to see. Maybe you don't consider yourself very religious, or, or maybe you used to be a strong Christian, but in recent months or even years, you, you haven't really been walking closely with the Lord. I want to extend an invitation to you because it's really important in this context for us to remember that not always, but very often, A broken relationship is often the catalyst for a broken faith. That can be difficult for us to admit. Sometimes it's even difficult for us to connect the dots in our relationships with other people, in our relationship with God, but very often we find that they're connected. So much so that I I hope that, that you will want to develop the skills of reassembling broken relationships in your life and that you can be reconciled to a brother or a sister or a parent or a friend or a work associate or in your marriage or with someone here in the church. But even more, I want to invite you personally today to be reconciled to your Heavenly Father. Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5 that that we read earlier are so direct, right? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The God who removed all the obstacles to relationship with him, who came looking for you and for me, not to get back at you, but to get back to you. Because in spite of you, he loves you. I implore you on Christ's behalf today, in this moment, right now, be reconciled to God. In just a few minutes, we're going to have the opportunity to participate in Holy Communion. And communion was instituted by Jesus as a reminder of the reassembly relationship process that he came to inaugurate and to invite us into. Through his broken body and his poured out blood, we see a tangible reminder of the God who has chosen to live with no regrets when it comes to seeking reconciliation with you and with me and with all the people that he loves. In Matthew 11, beginning in verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you've been carrying the weight of your own strained and broken relationships for far too long. And you haven't known what else to do or how to move forward or how to make a break from the past. And perhaps without even realizing it, you've allowed the pain and frustration to not only impact your other relationships in life, but to become an obstacle in your relationship with God and to impact your ability to have faith that God is real and that God is good and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life as well. And so I want you to to remember from this series, and if you need to go back and listen to each one of them, again, they're recorded online, and you can remember all of these skills and these decisions and these lessons and see how ultimately they point us back to Jesus. Because God sent His Son, Jesus, to get back to you, not to get back at you. And that even though Jesus didn't deserve it, he willingly took your slice of the blame pie when he took the blame for your sin on the cross. He made the first move in the reassembly process in the hopes that you would choose to respond and make a move back to him as well. And in Jesus, God's door is always open and the welcome mat is always out and it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how, hard, how you've been hurt or, or how far you've run. The door is always open and the welcome mat is always out. So like Paul, I implore you. I invite you encourage you on behalf of Jesus, stop resisting. Stop running away. Stop rehearsing the narrative that keeps you on the defensive in your relationship with God, in your relationship with the people around you. Look beyond whatever he did or whatever she didn't do. Look beyond whatever it is you've done in response and be reconciled to God. I want to invite the worship team to come back, join me on the platform, and prepare to lead us through a time of response. But maybe this is the day that you decide to take that first step, that you step through the open door that God has left open for you, and you enter into the reassembly process with your heavenly Father that begins to move you into not only reconciliation with Him, but opens the door to healthy reconciliation with all those around you. And when or if you're ready, we're here for you, right? Believe it or not, we all have a reconciled to God story to tell. And remember, you're never supposed to do it alone. And so for all of us, in every relationship, there comes a time when reassembly is required. And in that process, we not only discover who God really is, But in Christ, we also discover who we really are and who God has created and designed us and invited us to become. And it's in that discovery that everything changes. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have left the door open and the welcome mat out. And even today, you invite us poor sinners 
to come and step through that door without shame, without remorse, to to lay our burdens down and to receive your forgiveness and your grace. And God, we pray that you would shower us with that grace again today. And I pray, God, that as we come to this communion feast today, that each person's decision to come and receive the gift of your broken body and your shed blood can be a sign of our willingness to enter into that reassembly process with you again. Whether it's for the first time today, for the first time in a long time, or for those of us who know that even though we've been walking with you, it's time for us to settle accounts and get back on the right track again today. We thank you for this gift and this opportunity that you haven't come to get back at us, but come back to get back to us. And we come to you in gratitude and thanks. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.